Well, it's good to see you, brother. Good to see you, too. It yeah. feels like it's been, I don't know why, the, the last month felt longer. Like, uh, it's, you know, I, I, I'm guessing it's because we haven't been able to actually publish that episode. So it feels like maybe that was, there was just a gap. Yeah. 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 So just so true. everyone knows we've been, uh, we've been dealing with some, some particularly nasty site bugs on integralife.com, which have all been harmless, just really, really frustrating. And, uh, you know, in the first plug for the show, I just want to shout out, uh, Ryan, your company power up productions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I brought this job to you guys and y'all got these bugs squashing like a day after I banged so, my face against the wall for a week. So yeah, um, super happy. And because obviously, Hey, it impacts us here on this show. So I'm happy we got that, that episode up today. And um, so it's a, it's a double, double dose of Inhabit yeah. today. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so on integrallife.com, you can see last month's episode, Inhabit Your Shadow. And today's episode is actually related in a lot of ways. I mean, I thought mm. it was an interesting transition because Ryan, you and I were talking uh, yesterday and a couple of days ago about, you know, what are we going to do for, for this show? And we realized yeah. that, you know, we're kind of in the midst of this really rapid ramp up to the election in November. So yeah. what we wanted to do is kind of continue our ongoing conversation. You know, all of these episodes kind of bleed into each other, which I think is yeah. one of the really cool ways that we've structured this show. Um, but we wanted to use this show as sort of a transition between some of the conversations we've been having, mm-hmm. uh, which are totally evergreen conversations meaning you know you can listen to them five years from now they'll be just as relevant then as they are we now hope so. <laughs> um, and, and yeah hopefully and uh and now we're going to be you know kind of folding in some some more kind of topical aspects of this while still keeping it evergreen you know what i mean i don't want these conversations to feel to people like oh that was that was particular to that election way back then and i don't need to listen to this now i mean we're going to be talking about uh, inhabiting fear uh sort of generally um, in our own lives, in our own practices, in our own sort of day-to-day existence. Uh, and we're going to be applying some of that to, uh, you know, many of the fears that are being generated both with, within us and sort of without us mm. um, all the time that we're all sort of suspended in. So we're going to be trying to, what really, um, how to basically get a handle on fear without pushing it away without pushing it into our shadows and without letting it sort of consume us. Yeah. Um, how to create sort of a more embodied response to fear. Um, yeah. So that we find fear within ourselves rather than ourselves in fear. Yeah. Yep. It's super relevant. And, uh, you know, it's definitely got, I mean, fear factor went up a ton due to pandemic earlier this year and also, political situations and things like that, general state of the world. But um, seems like in the last month, just my personal observations that it's kicked up even higher. Like the, it's uh, returning to some previous levels, like how I see it show up, you know, in, uh, in social media and what people are expressing and like how intense an expression can be that seems out of fear, whether warranted or whether, you know, an overreaction Mm-hmm. So, and I, you know, you were talking about that, like sometimes, yeah, sometimes fear is a really useful um, experience that helps us uh, to respond. And then sometimes it gets the best of us and robs us of our ability to respond. And even just, just that's part of, partly maybe the practice there is trying to determine w- what flavor we're experiencing in any given moment. And, um, but it's also, you know, good to keep in mind, we have to do that in connection to whatever situation 
we're responding to, we're reacting to. And so that right now, that's just like the whole political sphere, at least in the United States, but it really feels that way across a lot of countries in the world right now that people are experiencing different flavors and forms of it. But it doesn't seem there's too many countries sitting here being like, yeah, this is easy. We got it. No problem. Right. I mean, New Zealand, maybe New Zealand, New Zealand's probably the country that seems overall that they're at least from the outside. They're like, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we got this. <laughs> we're good. We're happy with our, our, situation but the rest of us yeah. <laughs> not so much well and, and you know the pandemic is a great obvious and you know very obvious sort of example for this because not only do we have sort of this fear of the pandemic itself and of getting sick and what it can do to our loved ones and our family but we also have these compounding fears that are sort of being layered on top of that so you know on yes. one side of the aisle it's this fear that all of this is you know manufactured conspiracy and uh -huh. it's all part of sort of this global effort to you know, exert more control over the population and things like that. So uh -huh. all of these narratives are being encounter narratives and counter counter narratives yeah, are all basically being driven by fear. And all of that is just being turned up to 11 now mm. in, you know, sort of election season where, you know, I'm not usually the kind of guy who likes to say both sides, you know what I mean? Because I mm. think nine out of 10 both sides statements are really, really missing a sense of proportionality. Yeah. Um, but right. that said, right now, I can definitely say that that the fear is coming out from both sides. You know, it's coming from the left in terms of the fears that people are feeling around uh, possible Trump reelection. Mm -hmm. um, I would even say around a probably likely Trump reelection. Um, you know, personally, I yeah. hope I'm wrong, but it seems... You know, I mean, at this point, it feels like a, a kind of a coin toss. And a lot of people, I think, are trying to find a relationship with those kinds of fears. Um, on the other hand, you know, you have, uh, you know, uh, these, these sort of news mills that are pumping out just raw sort of amygdala content and stoking our fears about things like Antifa and the protests mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. violence and the looting mm -hmm. and immigration. I mean, if you remember in 2018, the big fear tactic was... Uh, this enormous caravan that was about to invade the country. Um, and then funny enough, the day after the midterms, that was just, that wasn't a story anymore. Yeah. So we're being, we're being sort of um, pumped full of fear these days. Yes. And whether mm -hmm. we know it or not, it's going to skew our, our perception, sort of our lenses um, yeah. and our informational terrain, which was something that we talked about last month. Yes. But yeah, the influence, I, I think that's important to know of like how we're being influenced, you know, because and I think a lot of us have been paying attention to that. Oh, I remember what my point was, is that the raw experience of fear is always just what it is. Like there, there's one layer is, is just a matter of fact. If a person is experiencing fear, it doesn't matter anything else past that whether it's rational or irrational or whatever you might say about it. But if a person experiencing fear, they're experiencing fear. It's something direct, visceral, and we can acknowledge that. Now, we still get to acknowledge later what a person does with that fear. Do we feel that what, what we're doing with our fear is valid or not? That can be, we can criticize that. We can talk about that and debate that. And, but just acknowledging the raw level of fear is really important. And actually, I think, I think we mentioned this before, we mentioned this before of like the hopelessness of acknowledging that, you know, because mm -hmm. that's a, people experiencing that a lot. But just imagine like, regardless of whoever you're thinking about, like think of the people who annoy you the most politically. Okay. Cause we all have our, our particular brands and flavors that are like, Oh my gosh. Can I do my that, list? 
<laughs> sure, we'll, we'll probably hit it <laughs> as we go here. But uh, like, you know, if that person started off not saying all this, all the intense stuff that they're saying, the reactions and what they think should happen, blah, 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 how the world is, if they just first off started saying, I'm scared, mm. how does that change things? Like if they go, I'm really scared because it changes it a little bit. You know what I mean? Even if in the end we go, okay, I understand you're, you're scared. I, I can see how for you, you're, you're fearful. Okay. And what you're suggesting in terms of strategy and decisions, ah, that doesn't, that doesn't seem great. And I even think about that for like, for me, let's talk about like just one of on my list. If I think of like wondering, gosh, it's such a bizarre thing to think about some of the people who support Trump, like some of the people I, I get from their perspective, I go, oh yeah, yeah I, I get why that person <laughs> supports Trump. But there's some people where I go, I don't, I don't know how you do that. You know, like mm-hmm. I've been watching some uh, uh, CNN in Spanish and the comment comments, uh, you know, are there. And this is from, you know, uh, Latinos uh, in, in Mexico and, uh, or, or from Mexico and, and, you know, in the United States. And I go, I, I don't know. I don't know how you're like, yeah, Trump. I don't, I don't, I'm like, it, I mean, I can think about it from an integral perspective. I then find answers, but up front, I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make sense to me. But really like there's a part of fear where we don't have to make sense out of it if we hear that. But a lot of people don't say that. Like how many times we see on Facebook or Twitter, somebody just start off saying, I'm scared. Some people yeah. do that, but a lot of people don't say they're just on They come from anger. Like it's just bypass fear and just like right to anger and, and, and certainty and solutions and dismissals and all this stuff and then all of which is a reaction to fear i mean yeah you know if you're suspended in this ongoing state of terror you're going to look for solid ground wherever you can find it and you know hey good news a lot of these sort of more regressive structures give you that sense of solid ground i mean it tells you exactly where you are in location yes everything else around you i think I would say we, but like those of us who are trying, who, who, who feel like we have the space and ability to look at the larger situation, which is a, kind of a privilege, you know, to be able to like say, oh, I can sit back rather than like, I'm only dealing with survival, you know, like minute to minute. We have a little bit of space here to just have this conversation. But, you know, when I was talking about like, sometimes like I see somebody supporting Trump and I go, I don't even know how that person, even from their perspective, I go, why would you want to do that? like evangelical Christian? Like, why? Why would like, mm. I could see you like I could see you being like Mike Pence, yeah, like that guy fits the bill. Uh, but I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, fit the bill. But um, the problem isn't going to be solved ultimately if we don't. I think in the long run we have to have some sort of understanding, and that's not a like a, an allowance or a tolerance of behavior at all. But like even just a moment of like, can I understand that somebody's scared? Right. Just that level, I can acknowledge that and be you know, rather than being like, well, you know, screw you mm-hmm. right now. I mean, like, I don't give a shit. There's a lot of things where like legally, I'm just like, I don't care. Send your ass to jail. Like I, I don't have a care of it. Like, no, let me, let me talk to you first. Let me understand your fears. Like, no, no. It's like, get your ass in the, in the jail. Like right. you're, you're acting in ways that is, that are completely unacceptable in, in this kind of society. But I think that's so easy to lose that like wondering, yeah, why do, why, why are people f- feeling fear and in a role? really is actually like not just a cerebral exercise this is really a model that can help us provide some understanding of like value structures, right? Which we talk about a lot, like, like, you know, if traditional value structures that feel threatened might then look at like a progressive candidate and be like, oof, that's going to get rid of my traditional values. But this other person says they're going to keep my traditional values, even if they're full of shit, you know, I can make sense of it. 
But like we get down to the fear of like, well, what's, and you wouldn't be able to ask that like, well, yeah, what's up for you? Like, let me really curiously ask you, why, why are you doing that? But mm-hmm. we can do that for ourselves. So we're constantly, we've been talking about looking outwards, but we gotta be able to do that with ourselves first, in my opinion. So I have to be like, why am I scared? You know, why am I scared of, of this happening? And it may turn out to be like, there's a real fear. There's a fear of our social systems collapsing, you That's know, right. yeah. or, or, you know, continued climate change, you know, and, and impacting us, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyways, we might all have real fears, but we got to start with that. That's my opinion anyways. I know. I love it. And I love actually that invitation to, um, to be a little bit vulnerable and actually start the conversation by presencing the fact that like, Hey guys, I'm feeling some fear now. You know what I mean? It's amazing how that actually really does kind of tenderize the, the conversation and invites genuine empathy and compassion and perspective taking. Yeah. In a way that sort of when we try to bypass our fear, right? When we're not yeah. comfortable with fear, when we don't have the tools that are at our disposal to actually inhabit this fear, right? Yeah. And actually sort of like let it be present and let ourselves be present with it, right? Instead, we just push it away. And that's when it turns into all sorts of, I mean, it can turn into violence really easily. It can turn into sort of this self-righteous kind of bludgeoning of our own kind of yeah. views and values and ideals onto other people or yeah. you know, there's any number of ways that we use to, to compensate for this fear response, which again, that fear response might be coming from a fully appropriate, authentic kind of place within you. I mean, that fear yeah. is, right. is, is real because you have some skin in the game, right? And you have yeah. a chance of, of, of suffering because of what's, you know, what's happening around you that is not in your control. And that yeah. generates real, real fear. And it is, I think, just as sort of foolhardy for us to try to deny that fear or push it away as it is for, for us to allow ourselves to be utterly and totally consumed by it. It actually reminds me, yeah. one, of my, one of my favorite shows um, that I've talked about a few times here is, uh, is Doctor Who. Doctor Who is such an amazing show. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just, uh, especially for integralists. I mean, here's, here's a story mm. of, a, of a time-traveling pacifist that's, you know, going through time and saving the world with a sonic screwdriver. It's, you know, it's just, it, it, it's a delightful show. But there's uh, one episode in particular called Fear, and I love this monologue that uh, the doctor, played by uh, Peter Capaldi, gives, where he's basically saying fear is a superpower. I can feel it through your hands. There's so much blood and oxygen pumping through your brain. It's like rocket fuel. Right now, you could run faster and you could fight harder. You could jump higher than ever in your life. And you are so alert. It's like you can slow down time. What's wrong with scared? Scared is a superpower. It's your superpower. There is danger in this room. And guess what? It's you. So there's a clarity that comes with these sort of hyper aroused states. Mm-hmm. Now, we probably don't want to make important life decisions from those states, but, right. the, but those states can be very, very informative, right? I mean, it's, those are the states that get us out of danger, right? Those are, the, those are the states that make us, you know, super aware of what's happening in our environment so that we can, you know, survive yeah. whatever yeah. it is, is yeah. about to, you know, come in our mm. Mm, that's a beautiful point. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, you know classic uh, tantric uh, practice in Vajrayana and Tibetan Buddhism, where you're looking at the energy of an emotion. So, like every emotion has an energy to it, and so rather than in the like Hinayana version of Buddhism, emotions are meant to be squashed or emphasized. So, like anger, get rid of it. You know, um, kindness, keep that. 
it's more managed, but in mm-hmm. Vajrayana, we say, well, what's the energy behind it? So like it can have an unenlightened form and unenlightened form. So we can use the energy to transform that into something useful. So like pointing out like what energy is coming along with fear where there can be clarity, right? There can be like alertness. So mm-hmm. then how can we transform that alertness into something meaningful and useful? But in order to do that, we still have to clarify what's going on in the first place, which is where we started of being like, we have to be able to be, know that we're in a fear state and to recognize that in ourselves, because otherwise we go to like the car going to the, to the red and the RPMs, we start, we burn out our engine, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where we have, you know, vomiting on Facebook or freaking out or collapsing, things like that. But there's potential there. So we don't necessarily have to, yeah, get rid of the fear. There could be something again, good reason why we have the fear and and good energy in it to transform it and you know one thing i want to bring up to here i kind of hit on this earlier but uh and being vulnerable we have to know this is we'll just go back to the classic what's been up in our culture quite a lot and it's been interesting to see reactions different reactions in the integral community around these conversations but when uh the difference between black lives matter and all lives matter and there's been a recent image that showed up I don't know if it's a real image of a, of a boat with a bunch of Trump flags and things like that. And they're like overwhelmed by waves and it kind of looks like a real thing, but I don't know, but it's making a point like this boat looks like it's, you know, getting capsized, capsized or whatever. Yeah. And then there's somebody on the, on the shore saying all boats matter. <laughs> and you know, it makes a point and here it's not about an agenda. Like if, if somebody's hearing this be like, Oh, agenda. And I don't want to listen to what he's saying right now. It's not about that. It's just like, you see someone in a boat getting capsized, you go, gosh, I, there's something that rises up in me that says help. We should I help, help that, that person. That individual person, yeah. That, that's it. That's all it is there. It's, it's not about like any political agenda up front. It turns into a political agenda because instead of a boat, it is made up of systems. So like if there's a wave generator that's generating waves for, for particular boats and the boats are getting capsized, well, we're going to have to solve that problem in order to solve the boats, okay? But like we got to keep in mind here that some people have too much vulnerability like they're steeped in vulnerability every single day mm-hmm. and they don't have ability they don't have anything more to give and that that can come in all kinds of different forms it doesn't whether it's uh, in racial groups or whether it's like i think about you and i like in our different situations here you have a daughter who has a a, a condition with her uh, immune system right that you have mm-hmm. to manage yep. that puts you in a much more vulnerable state to like an of alertness mm-hmm. and of fear you know I have a stepdaughter, but she doesn't have that immune system mm-hmm. uh, issue. So that even that's a little bit different, right? About how you and I are going to feel and our abilities. So the more the more capacity we have to like notice our fear, it feels like there's a little bit more responsibility to do so. Like if I have the ability to do that, like let me do that so that maybe I can help other people do that as well. You know, uh, a little, you know, so let's, it's always important to me to differentiate that. And I also am aware that how sometimes in every community, how that might sound and what the reaction might be to it. But I'm just like, you know what? It's a practical issue. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's look at our fear for the, for practical sake. But I also want to know that some people are listening and you're, and you might be listening and say like, I'm up to my fucking eyeballs in fear and vulnerability. Now I'm saying, I hear you. And you know what? You're doing your best. And if, if, if all you got is to be able to just sit here and take a breath, then you do that. Right. Don't feel yeah. like you have to do anything else more. But for those of us who have more ability to do it, I, I lean into it more and say, come on, let's step up and do our work. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, and it becomes a question of, you know, again, because obviously these fears are going to arise. So that, you know, you just mentioned my situation. That is an ongoing source of fear. Yeah. And that gets compounded when I see the numbers, you know, oh my God, we're almost at 200,000 right now. When I, you know what I mean? And there's so many unknowns that, that feed yeah. into that fear. And then it compounds yeah. because then yeah. I'm not just afraid of the pandemic. I'm afraid of like people who pretend yeah. the pan- pandemic's not real and the people yeah. who just you know, who say things like your health is not my responsibility, you know, all of this right. kind of compounds. Right. And I find myself sort of in this state of, of, of terror. Yeah. But what I notice is that when I'm in that state, mm-hmm. there are sort of, I have decisions. I, ha- yeah. I still have choices when I'm in that state and certain choices mm-hmm. allow me to kind of rise up out of it or just get on top of it. You know what I mean? It's still there, but mm-hmm. it's not, I'm not completely surrounded by it. And another yeah. set of choices brings me kind of lower. I sink into it and I kind of wallow mm-hmm. and it creates paralysis. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, if I wanted to wallow around these fears, it would be like, oh my God, I'm going to you know, put our entire house in a bubble and we're yeah. not going to see any other people for three years. And we're not, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> right. and we yeah. sort of just kind of gum up our works and parallel, paralyze mm-hmm. ourselves by doing that. And instead mm-hmm. I say, you know, I want to use this fear as an opportunity. I want to use this fear mm-hmm. as an opportunity to both teach my daughter the kinds of sort of, you know, how to be careful and anti-fragile at the same time with her own health. Yeah. I want to use it as an opportunity to have these conversations exactly like these in public right. spaces so that we can hopefully right. generate some new influence and maybe even change a couple minds as we go and sort of mm-hmm. you know, really reaffirm mm-hmm how important it is to, to have just some basic compassion and empathy and capacity mm-hmm. to perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this kind of, yeah, and, great. And most importantly, it animates what I'm going to do at mm-hmm. the ballot in November. You know what I mean? Yeah. All of this fear makes me want to get more, yeah. more engaged and exercise my civic response. It's, clarif- it's clarifying in that sense. Yeah. And I was thinking about that last night. Uh, 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 differences I've noticed in this election, I've, I've taken note, um, as kind of like embodiments and reflections of where we're at. Um, but even though I've noticed in last month, things more stoked up, you know, like the rhetoric, mm-hmm. a little more stoked up in the last month, I really do notice a lot less of it, at least in my, amongst my progressive network, like compared to like four years ago, like there seems to be something a little bit like cut through, like the very real pain and very real fear of what many of us are experiencing um especially this year something clarifying about it there's something that just mm-hmm. cuts through it's because it's painful it's just like uh like you're getting to a point of exhaustion where you're like well i got i got nothing left except for to do what's most important and again we don't want to do that that's that's it's not this like no pain no gain approach it's like no we we would all wish this away if we could right, right? Uh, like in a in a heartbeat like get rid of pandemic um and uh yeah, that's clarifying. So I think we can use that. But again, we have to, to do that chain of like first identifying and being with our experience in, in its raw form for however it is. And then seeing from there, okay, what are, what do I need to do to, if I need to respond like you're doing in your life? Like I know you mentioned like you, you didn't, you didn't do takeout for quite a long time, mm-hmm. probably longer than most people do. That was your decision to be like, that's going to be my safest uh, decision for our situation but then you're also making decisions about like, how do you want to respond and be resilient and through this as well? So these are all great things. And then as we're going to, especially in our next uh, episode, we're going to talk about more, more action oriented, like what we're going to do in, um, the, in, in, 
in the ballot. Right. Yeah. So, so Tom just sent in a, a, a comment and uh, Tom, I'll invite you on later to sort of, you know, talk about what you mean by this, but he says, this is way too politically correct. Uh, there's more at stake than changing perspectives. Um, if, if you like, you can raise your hand later and we'll bring you on and you can tell us more what you mean by that. I mean, I certainly agree that there is a lot at stake right now. And uh, I would say that there's a lot of legitimate reasons for people to be fearful. And I think that, you know, the, the major point we're trying to make here is don't let that be the end of it. Let that be the beginning of the story and not the end. Yeah. Right. Don't, yeah. don't let that sort of fear trap you, paralyze you and prevent you from doing what needs to be done and prevent you from showing up in all the ways you need to show up in uh, order to create an effect. Um, so we can we can definitely have that 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 conversation as we go, um, you know, because I also want to be sensitive to the fact that this, you know, we don't really do a partisan show here. We 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 um, we make our own kind of political views known for sure. Yeah. But this space, this show, is open to anyone, regardless of your political views. And um, so I just want to, you know, make sure we make that explicit. That said, I think this is a once in a lifetime uh, election, and probably the most important election of our lifetimes. Not to just sort of repeat the memes that are already out there. Um, but it does seem to have that much kind of gravity behind it. So um, mm -hmm. I'm def we're definitely not minimizing anything. Uh, oh, I mean, I'm gonna sp I'll speak for myself. Like, I, I don't like, well, I think this is, might be true for you too. Like, I don't think it's like literally open to everybody. I mean, like if, if somebody, like there's certain political views uh, that like, are you, I mean, are we going to have a QAnon person on the show? Right. I'm not interested. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So if Corey, you want to do that, you can do it. But I know no, I don't give a shit. I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, this is me, but like, this is like, I have, this isn't a patting myself on the back, but like, it's also encouraging other people. I'm self-possessed so I can like inhabit my experiences, but also say I'm one person. And this is partly why, like, I'm like, I don't want to be in charge <laughs> of, of what should be done. I'm like, this is one person. I want to be part of, of, of a larger group where we can, think together and put these perspectives together, which is uh, why we have these shows and why you have so many people you're, t you're talking to. But yeah, the, the more that the stakes get higher and the more that more danger there is, the more, the less room there is for, for harmful uh, orientations. You know what I mean? Right. And of course, where we draw those lines are going to be different. And I totally understand that, but no, this, this isn't like a wide open thing, you know, for me, which is sort of an interesting thing. Like the comment of politically correct is usually associated with the green meme and a green meme is usually associated with all, all perspectives are invited, even though they're really not uh, hidden, hidden intolerance of it. And so I'm definitely not in favor right. of that. I'm just like, no, like it can either, it can either mean you're being too green or not green enough. Yeah, whatever. It so is. We'll, we'll I'm like, clarification on that. No, this is like, as I've emphasized here, this is very much about a, it's very, very practical. So like if each of us as individuals, uh, we, can look into our own fear and really directly, rawly, and be honest with ourselves, then that's all there is to it. It's like what you discover, like for example, Corey or me, what we discover in our own experience of that, I don't know. I can't say what it's going to be. Mm. You know, I can't say when or why you're going to be fearful because fear can arise with response to anything. Right. That's the raw experience of it. Um, you, you know, and then as far as what you do with that and, and whether it impacts your own life or other people, that starts becoming another story. So it could just impact you, but likely not likely usually how we deal with our fears can impact other people and that's where we have to be discerning we have to be both curious and discerning and at a certain point it's just about actions you know what i mean like there's just a certain point where the, the discussion ends too 
So that's in terms of the action. This episode, we're leaning a little bit more towards like inhabiting the fear because otherwise we can't really do the other things. Like if we bypass the fear and we don't, whatever the fear is, and again, it could be very valid. So even if like a vow of saying like, oh, this is way too politically correct, feel into the, the there, there's going to be a fear there of saying like, well, there, that it's way too politically correct. That means there's some some negative consequence of it. And what's that negative consequence and how do I feel about that? Feel into that first. And then if it feels very valid uh, in the end, okay, great. Right. But all right. Otherwise, all it us, turns, otherwise it turns right into shadow, right? Otherwise it's like, okay, well, I have yeah. these fears. These fears are real, by the way. Your fears yeah. aren't as real as my fears. And therefore I feel a certain kind of almost yeah. self-righteousness. I'm not, yeah. Tom, I'm not yeah. clear. I'm not yeah. it's just general, yeah. This is a, a pattern that we often see where, you know, you're not taking my fears seriously. And so therefore I, I have a sense of sort of self-righteousness and a sense of superiority and all that. Yeah. And I think what we're trying to do here is again, just kind of cultivate this ability to, um, to just sit with it and sit in it and let it pass through you yeah. before responding. I mean, respond in that, if that's, yeah. you know, if that's your life and death kind of moment and you need to get out of traffic and, you know, fear is telling you to move. Exactly. Move, yeah. We, we got to right? have the, the, the discernment of like the situation and like what we're going to, how we're, how immediate of a response we need. And so these are complicated factors in there, but like the practice is fairly simple. So it balances one, like a radical acceptance because yeah. that's part of life because reality is how reality is at any given moment. And we may not like it that way, even if it's very valid to not like it that way, but just like for people who don't want Donald Trump president, it's like, well, tough shit, Donald Trump is president. Yeah. That's how it is. And so I got to, that's what we got to sit in that. And I think that's been a big lesson for a lot of progressives is to be like, we're going to sit in it. Like right. no matter how much we go, it's like, well, he's president. Yep. He's president well, for, he's not. For, for, I, I think you made a great change that there's been a sort of a, a change in tone from 2016 yeah. till now, yeah. just in terms of the types of fear that, that we're seeing. Yeah. And, you know, and I'll speak, you know, to the, to yeah. the progressives that sort of I've been in connection with. It's yeah. interesting because the fear is still there, but it's, it's in 2016, it was a fear of the unknown, right? It's like, I don't know what this guy's capable of. I certainly know he's not qualified, but Jesus, I don't know what's going to come of a Trump presidency. So there yeah. was this, this, you know, this really big sort of fear of the unknown. Now I think everyone, no matter where you, I mean, that's why there's fewer undecideds in this election cycle uh, than in previous election cycles. We know what to expect. We know what we're going to get. We know what to expect from four more years of Trump. We more or less know what to expect from a Biden presidency. So there's not a whole lot of room for this kind of like unknown kind of projection game that we often fall into with politics. Um, we know what this is going to look like, right? Yeah. And that's, that generates a different kind of fear and that can generate even a different kind of self-righteousness right sort of alongside that. Um, you know, because the people who are sitting on the right who might be watching us right now are looking at you know, the, the, what is it? 7% or so of protests that have gone violent and 7% is mm -hmm. too high, right? Mm -hmm. 7%, we, we would ideally like to see much less violence in our protest movements. And we can, we've talked about this in previous shows. We can try to understand the violence without actually sort of condoning it or supporting it. I certainly understand why there yeah. is violence. I can certainly understand why some degree of violence is probably inevitable when it comes to getting the gears of social transformation actually moving again. Um, and as yeah. I said before, we can probably gauge the health of a society on how much violence is actually required in order to get those gears moving. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so getting into the response realm about like protests, for example, 
that's a, where it's like, you know, the conversation can get very complicated and nuanced and where like, I, I will feel like less passionate as an individual to say like, Oh, it's, it should be like no violence or some violence or, you know, like I can understand a little bit more, but like the, having the conversation is really important, not just to have a conversation, but like, you know, cause yeah. So for example, there's been different conversations. Like I can make sense. I can make sense out of people who have experienced a lot of violence being pissed off and getting violent. You know, it's just sort of like if you punch somebody and you keep punching them, they might punch you back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, I can understand that. At the same mm-hmm. time, I can understand the perspective of like, well, if we're trying to protest against violence and we do it with violence, this is what civil rights activists really dealt with in, in, in you know, in the civil rights movements uh, that it's like, well, what, how should we approach this thing? And like, and they stuck a lot of times more with, uh, with nonviolent protesting. But again, for the purpose of this show, I'm like, you know, I understand as, as if we can stay rooted in our experience and our personal and collective experience and to be honest about what's arising, I trust a lot more what our response is going to be. And I have less personal interest in it being perfect mm-hmm. or, or like, we just know oh, we're doing the exact right thing. But the, the more that we get detached from our, our embodied experience and in that vulnerability of sharing that with each other, the harder it gets, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, One, uh, it's, oh, it's, it's another piece that I see, Ryan, is that oftentimes it feels like the language of waking up can sometimes be misapplied to the process of growing up, right? Yeah, and what I mean by sure. that is oftentimes these waking up traditions and pretty much across the traditions, there's a very, very common refrain, which is something like the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. Mm. Mm. right so right Mm. there we have a polarity we have love Mm. on one side we have fear on the other and Mm -hmm. which means if you're feeling fear you're feeling anti-love right and i think that is absolutely true in that absolute sense and i think part of our spiritual training is coming into alignment with that realization that you know there is the only space for fear is wherever I feel space for other. And as long as I have some aspect of my experience that is other to me, I will feel fear. And therefore, mm. my spiritual impulse is to dissolve those boundaries as much as I possibly can. But guess what? You still have this growing up process that's taking place alongside that, you know, sort of that, that slide towards enlightenment. Yeah. And when it comes to that growing up process, we still have an ego. We still have an identity. And that identity is still yeah. going through these multiple stages of development. And guess what? You're going to find fear at every single one of those stages. Yeah. Every single yeah. one of those stages. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're developing several things simultaneously. We're, we're developing a certain mindset or a certain way of relating to our absolute self, our biggest, widest, deepest self that helps us manage that fear, that helps us remember that when we're feeling fear there's an other and if we can bring that other into this side of our face chances are that fear will start to lessen will start to diminish yeah and at the same time if someone has a gun to your head how much good is it going to do to you you know for you to become one with the person who's about (laughs) to shoot you in the face yeah yeah there's a there's a lot there for sure that was a great, great conclusion to it uh, but yeah, whenever there's another, well, the growing up process points to how the concept of self and other evolves and changes. 
So whereas in the waking up context, it's pretty neutral. It's just like self and other. It doesn't matter the version of self or version of other. It's always like transcending that. But we don't we don't interact that way to day-to-day life because this conglomeration of processes and interconnectedness continues functioning as what we call self, you know, it's like, here I am. And we generally, we generally keep rolling with it. I have my likes, my dislikes, my preferences. And everybody's, if we're being honest, they are interacting that way. It's not just like, cause if you're really saying that you're at, you are living completely always from the space of like complete transcendence, I tend to lean a little bit more bullshit. I do feel, I have experienced people who feel very emptied out, like is uh, from an awakening perspective. Like I can experience that in them. I'm like, wow, they are really emptied out in terms of ego. But still, I don't know. I don't never really met anybody where I'm just like, yeah, they don't have preferences and their, their self and other kind of thing. But their ability to relate to that uh, can radically change. So we can radically change how sticky the self other kind of experience is, but it's not going to change the fact that we, you know, non-dual has always said not one, not two, you know, but there's this interconnected existence. So fear will be there, you know, and and unless we're going to like, just try to numb out, you know, like, and not pretend there's a gun there, right. For example, then, you know, we're going to do something. There's meaning to do it. Right. Meaning arises. Yeah. Um, also, you know, there's comments in YouTube and there was a comment that we don't pay attention to that. We're not going to respond to YouTube comments, which isn't true. We read the comments in we're, YouTube. We're, we're proving you wrong in real time. <laughs> we always are looking there. Um, we, we just bounce back and forth between zoom and YouTube. It's not really an easy way for us to have both screens up. Um, but, uh, well, let's see. Barb here says that, uh, thanks so much for the topic. You're welcome. Barb fear though valid compromises the immune system and thought processes. We want to notice or witness our fears so that we can reframe and transform them. I think that's well said, Barb. Yeah, and it's always true. I mean, like main, maintaining a state of fear is going to have an effect on our nervous system. And then a lot of different uh, modalities and professionals speak to that. So it's like it's definitely been really established that if a person lives in fear, the, yeah, the immune system is going to be compromised. Decision making is more difficult. Compromises our, our our brain's capacity to really process information, to contemplate it. Um, and it seems like, again, well, and also the word fear could be, could comprise up different other synon, synon, uh, synonyms mm-hmm. uh, that maybe mean a little different things. But there there is some inherent react uh, com, mechanism in us that helps us track, like you said, from an evolutionary standpoint safe, good, bad, harmful, yep. like that's there. Cause if we didn't have that, we would just touch hot frying pans and, <laughs> you know, fall off bridges and stuff. Cause we just don't have any concept of those being <laughs> potentially harmful, but we want as much as possible not to be living in the state of like being surrounded by hot frying pans, you know, right. that's going to brutally stress us out. Like if we can't feel like we can walk, you know? And, well, it's funny because both cortisol and adrenaline are basically like um, self dosing poisons that you know our body puts into its own system when we need to move when we need to act when we need to get out of harm's way and etc and yes absolutely if you are stuck in that state if you're stuck in an emotional state of fearfulness that cortisol that adrenaline you know all of that is going to severely impact your health and And in fact that's sort of the litmus test right there right is like how how stuck am i am i am i able to let this fear kind of come up and be present and then pass. Yeah. Through, right. 
or am I getting kind of hooked into it and I find myself returning to it like a well over and over again, even to the mm. point where sometimes there's a piece of our identity that becomes comfortable there. It mm. becomes that we wear that fear almost like a blanket. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. We're using sort of a smaller fear maybe to protect ourselves from a larger fear. It's complicated. Yeah. It, and, and I'm happy we've done previous episodes here on inhabiting your wound and inhabiting your shadow and all these things to help us practice because this is where sometimes like contemplative practice can be helpful to give us more space, more room uh, to deal with fear, the, our abilities to let go, which is in reason why a lot of research on, diff, on various meditation techniques speak to the ability to regulate the nervous system you know, to be able to get ourselves out of that fear cycle, because once it's really ramped up, it's biologically very difficult to get out of that. Like if we experience anxiety states, they can reach a point of like, where we're not going to be able to process anything mentally. Like, Oh, let me just contemplate that. No, it's just the whole system is like alarms. Right. So we do have to find, and there's, we have to find ways to manage that and then to cultivate a bigger base of foundations so that way it's less likely to happen. But then we have to deal with our patterns of existence, which we talked about with you know, shadows and wounds, that, that we could have patterns of fearful responses. You know, That's something that we carry around, not just in a moment like, oh, a car's coming, it's just a fearful moment that, that instant, um, versus like uh, you know, a fear of intimacy due to trauma that we've experienced. You know? like mm-hmm. That's something that we're gonna have to cultivate and work with over time. Um, so all of this points to just, again, being curious about like, how is this fear serving me or not serving me? Or really a lot of us these days are talking about us Mm -hmm. and everybody's talking about us. Even if people are like from integral mind point, have a reaction to the collective orientation of like green, the comments are still oriented about us of what we should or shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So one way or another, unless you're just an egocentric, narcissistic, you know, egomaniac, you know, you're caring about an us <laughs> at the same time as your individual self, you know? Um, so well, a lot of this is slowing down. A lot of it is about slowing down because fear is a speeding up. Yeah. Well, and this brings us to, to sort of, you know, what are some practices that we can suggest for people? Maybe practices that we do ourselves yeah. and practices that we can recommend for other people who yeah. feel themselves kind of getting caught. In this. So, um, the, I kind of hinted at this before, but uh, it can, it's helpful, at least for me, to think of different levels of fear kind of alongside of different levels of anxiety because usually with fear, there's anxiety. It is a, like a more high-speed response versus a depressive response, you know, where it's more hopeless and we let go and numb out. But fear is like ramping up. And so we can have different levels of that happening. And, you know, as mentioned in, in the YouTube comment from, from Barbara about the our biological system, you know, mm-hmm. um, the more it gets ramped up, the more that our response has to be a somatic one. But so we have to know where are we at in that fear anxiety cycle and then what kind of tools will be good. So now before, and I've worked, and I work with people too in, in the realm of, of meditation and awakening, also working with uh, how anxiety shows up like social anxiety or things even like obsessive compulsive disorder. You know, I'm not treating those per, per se, but I am working in harmony with those things. So I'm familiar with it. And also I struggle with social anxiety for many, many years of my, most of my, uh, all my childhood and in a good chunk of my adult life. So I'm familiar with this. So prior to anxiety, we can work with establishing that base, you know, our ability to enter into a space that feels free of fear. Can I touch into a, something that feels 
I can rest into, like in a good environment, like, okay, I'm in, in on my meditation cushion, nothing is stressful is happening. I can sit here and cultivate the ability to regulate, you know, my system and then let go into something that feels spacious and still and just a simple presence. So we can do that through a lot of different meditation practices. So I'm going to list these out, but any sort of settling practice, you know, that allows mm-hmm. us to settle downward, that allows the mind to calm down a little bit, that helps us to get that space. So that way we can then look back at the content of our experience with more space and more freshness in, in our consciousness. But then as fear gets ramped up, we have to start implementing antidotes, right. you know? Yep. Um, no, and that was, that was great, Ryan, because it's, especially because it's, it's, you know, which is a theme of this show. It's, it's, it's practices that engage more of us than just sort of neck up. Right. Yeah. So Keith and I, I'm going to be publishing it soon. Um, last month did a, a wonderful talk about, um, uh, breathing practices Oh, great! and how we use breathing to sort of reset our system, uh, to reset our nervous system and to oh, sort of great. bring down these hyper arousal states so that we can find just a little bit more clarity and a little bit more responsiveness there yeah um, that, that's, that's another breathing that's is another great. huge one you, mm-hmm. actually using your breath and breathing through the fear I, has been tremendously helpful for me uh basic gratitude practice mm. i mean this is this is yeah has gotten me through this year right yep. because my experience of 2020 has yep. been when i look outside of my window it's terrifying i mean it's terrifying i'm seeing pandemics and I'm seeing, Hmm. um, you know, uh, massive fires in Australia from climate change. And I'm seeing 200,000 dead Americans and way more, you know, dead around the world. And I'm seeing, Hmm. I'm seeing so much. I'm seeing the destruction of these institutions of the post office. I'm seeing the delegitimization Hmm. of, of my country on the world stage. I'm seeing all of these things that out there, when I look out there, it kind of feels like the sky is falling just a little mm-hmm. bit, or at mm-hmm. least it's a little more rickety than it was a couple of mm-hmm. years ago, you mm-hmm. know? But when I take inventory of my personal life, of everything that's happened inside these walls, I have had an amazing year. It's been a really tremendously positive year in terms of my own growth, my own happiness, my own fulfillment, my relationship with my family, you know? I'm able to see these things that, that have generated fear for me on the path. And I can kind of, you know, just by taking inventory and doing just a little bit of basic gratitude, it's not hard for me to transmute those. Yeah. The beauty of this, you know, I had all sorts of fears about, Oh, my daughter's not going to be able to go to school for a while. Right. We're going to have to keep her. We're going to have to do the, the at home learning for a while. And my fear yeah. is that this is going right. to, interrupt all this, you know, this kind of socialization mm. that she needs and all just sort of the, the normalcy <laughs> that every kid kind of yeah. seeks, you know? Yeah. yeah. But then I'm able to transmute that into these opportunities. Like, wow, I have this opportunity to be way more part of my daughter's education mm. than my parents ever were for me or even had the opportunity to be. Yeah. With me. You know yeah. what I mean? I had yeah. the opportunity to, yeah. to spend more time with her and just to be in her presence and to... Um, you know, so it's, it's all of these kind of challenges, yeah. that, you know, you can flip over these rocks and you can uh-huh. see how it's, it, it, it turns into this, this trail, yeah. your, own, your own fulfillment. And that helps me when, well, I, when I look out the window again and I look at, you know, and I see the sky falling, I can, well, I feel that's like really a good, more, yeah, it's a really good practice. And, um, so there's a gratitude journal 
that I've used in the past in I think you just Google gratitude journal. It's, um, it's kind of like a white beige book and it basically in the morning you'll write down three things you're grateful for. And, uh, at the end of the end of the day, three things that happened that were good. And at first it can sound super like soft and self-helpy, but it's actually a really, it really is a genuinely good practice, especially when things are difficult. And the thing is, it's not a guilt trip. It's like, well, you should feel grateful for something. Well, why are you not feeling grateful? It's not about a guilt trip. It's just like anything, anything that you're grateful for. And it could be a practice of finding even small things. Like I'm grateful. I have my sense faculties, you know, like how wonderful that I can see you, Corey, <laughs> and that I can talk. This is really wonderful. You know, it's a mag magical experience to do that. So it could be anything, but um, it's really powerful. And it just, I mean, it changes the direction. So we're not looking at fear. We're looking at something that we find really meaningful and that we're grateful for. And, um, uh, and we get to soak in a different quality than fear. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I'm afraid my laptop's about to die. So, I have to oh. it in, so. <laughs> I'm grateful that you have a plug and electricity. So that way we can keep the show going. Um, what else you say? Yeah, but that, uh, there's probably a lot of different, Oh, there is some science research and I don't remember this. Uh, my, probably my, uh, partner, Alyssa, who's a psychologist probably knows some of the research around this and also our, our good friend, Will Hamilton, who's a psychologist and also fellow Buddhist teacher. I remember, one time he was sharing something about that there's a research that like there's a certain number like maybe three is the magical number that they've seen if you practice that much that's you have to do at least a certain number to get the benefit and like too many numbers the benefit drops off so like there's a really interesting research around seeing the results of gratitude practice that it actually has uh, yeah, science behind it. Yep. And it's not about, again, I think you mean it's, it's not about using gratitude to sort of drown out your fears. Hmm. You know what I mean? You're not replacing fear with gratitude. You're not, again, we're, we're, we're not bypassing here. The goal here is no. not to skip over these things and empty yourself out into something that feels more yeah. comfortable and feel good. Sometimes you need to be uncomfortable, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes our growth actually requires some discomfort. And I would say, you know, these days we sort of have an overabundance of comfort that prevents us from dealing with our fears head on and from taking the actions required to actually bring us out of whatever situation we're in, whatever conditions we're in that's generating the fear in the first place. Yeah. We can kind of keep ourselves there because we have just enough creature comforts to kind of insulate ourselves from the worst of it. So we acclimate to the fear. Right? Yeah. Yep. And that creates its own paralysis. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, gratitude. I'm glad you brought that one up. That's a really good one. Um, oh, then some other things with fear when the, when it's ramping up more and more and it's a, and it's becoming more and more a physical experience, right? And and our mental faculties are getting compromised. There's less space for that. Um, there are different suggestions out there, and you know, I encourage people to go research it. And especially if you're dealing with something more intense, you know, find somebody who's a professional to to work with. We're we're just talking amongst ourselves here without providing direct mental health advice. Um, but, um, you know, physical energy, like for example, anxiety, fears uh, ramping up, jumping jacks, mm. running, push-ups, whatever. It helps to move the energy and uh, kind of exhaust out the franticness. Um, the, even more beyond that, touching cold things, temperature can be really useful. A cold 
compress, you know, like, and some of these things sound like we might think it's so funny. I think we're so like frogs and uh, whatever in the boiling water in which I actually, I think I read the other day that that's a misnomer. Like, yeah. We talked know, about that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You were talking about that. But anyways, it's only we'll use... frogs who had their brains yeah. surgically removed, which that's still right. makes it a very apt metaphor for. We're what still going to use it. Now. Right. Yeah. We're still going to use it that um, we, we may not think that we are, we're better off than what we actually are. Like our systems are pumping more cortisol than what we're really aware of day to day. I'm convinced of that. Like that, like for us, all of us to get our cortisol levels back to normal would take, we would need a, like a month off probably. Like we're just all overstressed and anxious. And um, so some of these things may sound silly, but it's like, you know what? Hey, if you got a little cold ice pack in, in your, in your fridge, maybe one day you're feeling ramped up just to see what it, see what it feels like. Just, Put it on your forehead. See if it feels good. And again, this is these are levels of intensity, of spectrum, and I. That's the most important thing for me is to just notice that wherever you're at and whatever you might need, and you might need to creatively try things out, investigate. Uh, usually, with anything emotional, it's good to work with somebody else, right? Whether it's somebody you trust as a friend, loved one, or a professional of of one flavor or another, to like help you who can hold space, a point of contact for you. Because when we're working with fear, it's hard by ourselves. That's why so often if we're freaking out, it's always good having a friend or loved one come over and pat us on the head, and <laughs> give us a hug. Because it's, it's something that can feel like a vortex, you know, like we just get sucked into it and it's hard to find our way out sometimes. Yep. Yeah, for me in, the, in those lines and sort of the self-soothing, right? Developing self-soothing. the skills to self-soothe. Um, a, a big one for me has been, I've talked about it before, ASMR. Um, oh, yeah, well, our video seems kind of funky. Right? Yeah, I don't know why. Let's give this a second to catch up. But, you know, as, as an example of there are interventions in all four quadrants mm. for this problem. Um, you know, we've talked about basic mindfulness, meditation, gratefulness in the upper left. We've talked about some of these kind of, you know, physical exertion uh, in the upper right even using things like cold compresses. Uh, in the lower left, we have simply make yourself vulnerable. Share fears with someone. Find someone, whether it's your partner, your community, your sangha, what have you. Find someone you can share authentically uh, you know, your fears with. And then in the lower right, it's find skillful action in the collective. So yeah. if you have fears that are be, being generated from sort of the political sphere, find actions in the political sphere that will at least make you feel like you're looking at the problem and you're doing something about it and you're engaging it more directly. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad we brought the the quadrants um, because, you know, oftentimes we, we do, we'll lean a little bit more individual practice oriented um, when dealing with stuff in the upper left, you know, like, so the experience of fear is often uh, internal, subjective experience and then also with a corresponding uh, exterior biological experience that we talked about but obviously as we also talked about some of that fear arising can be arising for any number of reasons in all the quadrants right fear of economic system you know and, and one's economic situation fear of intercultural experiences like racism things like that um so it's important to also look at those collective solutions that might help support the experience of fear and you know like so practice community so not just finding someone in a community, but finding a community. So like right here, we're, we're talking, we're part of the community. There's, you know, you audience members are listening, this community, so we can find solace and support in our communities to where we feel we can let go because we're not in it alone. So finding communities that you feel comfortable with, that you trust uh, can be incredibly important. And we've found that 
this year with our Buddhist Geeks uh, training groups that even just having that on the schedule every week for 90 minutes where we show up together and we practice together with uh, 10, 12 other people, that in itself can feel grounding um, and healing in a certain way, just by meaning and being a part of something. So I think that's, that's important as well. What a coincidence, Ryan, because we just so happen <laughs> yeah, yeah. to have this new practice platform that we're bringing online right now uh, to do exactly that. And I tell you, this delayed video is driving me nuts. I know. I always hate that kind of thing. I don't know why it's happening. Oh, this is the worst. I it think usually doesn't happen with Zoom. Yeah. Well, we're getting, uh, we're getting a little bit of snow right now. It dropped 70 degrees uh, in 24 hours here in Colorado. So maybe there's something weird going on. But just to plug this real quick. So um, again, one of the best ways is to, is to do what Ryan says, to find your community. And guess what? If you're watching this right now, you've probably already found your community and you're just looking for ways to engage more deeply with each other. And as it happens, we are now bringing online for Integral Life members this practice platform that's going to offer multiple real-time practices every week. Uh, I think this week we're doing three practices. We're going to continue ramping this up. Um, ideally, uh, you know, before too long, we're going to have several practices uh, available per day that you can just kind of drop into. Uh, in, again, in real time, that real time piece is so important because so much of the integral community has been offloaded to platforms like Facebook, which um, obviously is, is time shifted, right? Or YouTube videos where you might watch this conversation a month from now and you know it's hard to join a conversation that took place 30 days ago these practice communities are your opportunity to drop in in real time share an experience with other people like you and guess what one of the best parts is you're not going to hear much about quadrants or levels or lines Mm -hmm. or any of that stuff i mean this is about cultivating a direct integral experience right now um, that we can use to help sort of leverage each other's growth yeah. Um, and I'm excited for that. It feels like an integral it's, renaissance in a certain way. Yeah. It's, it's super, super great. Um, yeah. And um, man, the, the, the whole delay in the video is like so bizarre. <laughs> like, Cause I'm like, wait a minute, is, is Corey still talking? No, I don't know. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll be leading one next week. I don't, I don't think there's been a formal announcement, but uh, uh, it look, it appears to be that I will be leading one of those sessions next Wednesday at 3 PM Eastern. So uh, September 16th. Yeah. So I definitely invite everyone to check it out. Yeah. This, this, this video glitch is killing me, buddy. This is rare with zoom. I know. Yeah. Corey. And um, if you, if you mind me mentioning the integral Dharma training, please. Um, so that's another uh, opportunity for group practice. So Buddhist geeks, I've mentioned before that we do these training groups, which are offered quarterly and they last 10 weeks. They're small groups up to 12 people that meet 90 minutes a week. Um, we have responsive meditation training, which the, the theme changes depending on the group. We always survey people beforehand using our, our um, responsive meditation guide as a reference point, you know, like what kind of practice are you into? What's up in your life right now? And we formulate the, the practice focus. But integral dharma, we offered at the beginning of the year for the first time, which explicitly had an integral focus in the practice. The integral model drove the practice and the types of practices. So very much still meditation based, but emphasizing those four ups, you know, uh, waking up, cleaning up, growing up and showing up and even more. And we're going to be offering that again, finally, starting October 12th in this final quarter. And um, so I'm going to be leading that. And then um, along with a fellow Buddhist geeks teacher, Lisa Sherman. 
So, uh, anyways, I, I invite you all to check that out. Integral uh, is integraldharma.training, I believe, is our domain name. Um, yeah. So, would love, of course, integral peeps from from this community to to check that out. And we have intro sessions um, where you can meet with one of us to learn more about the training and see if it's a good fit or not. But we offer it all through transparent generosity. So donation based. So it's hopefully doable for people and regardless of the situation, especially in a pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. but we found again, any practice opportunities like right now, especially this year. And especially if we're all at home a lot more, it's been, been really comforting and supportive and also transformative for myself and everybody up. It's been in it. Beautiful. And we'll, uh, we'll put the links uh, down the page as soon as we publish this on Integral Life so that you can check those out. And then, yeah, in the meantime, uh, if you go to Integral Life, either the homepage or integrallife.com slash live, you'll see all the upcoming practice sessions for the next week. Um, we've been updating the calendar weekly. So Ryan, we'll put your um, practice up most likely in a few days. Um, along with the next batch. And, and again, I, I really hope everyone takes advantage of this opportunity because yeah. um, it, it, it does feel like a really important um, evolution in uh, the integral project as we know it. Yeah, wonderful. I'm excited to be a part of it too. Yeah. Paula in the, in the chat mentioned, um, I think when we were talking about journaling, she mentioned intelligent oh, change, five-minute yeah. journal. So, that one sounds familiar. Mm. There's a lot of good ones out there. I think, you know, for me on the gratitude stuff, it's just a principle of like, make it really simple. It's, it's like, you know, writing, really finding a way to drop into your experience and feeling what you really feel grateful for in this moment. And it gets momentum. I've, in my experience gets momentum the more you do it. So like if you do it for 30 days straight, you know, at first maybe it's kind of like, maybe you're scratching your head and you're like, I don't know. But if you just open it wide open, this is my recommendation is like, keep it really open to where just look around, you know what I mean? And it might be just like, wow, the weather's lovely outside or that bird chirping is quite beautiful. Like maybe momentary, like you just look around and, and start asking the question, like, how do I feel about what I'm seeing? Like, oh, wow, I have a computer, that's amazing. I remember when there weren't computers. <laughs> some of us maybe, some people maybe were born where there's always computers, but you know, could be anything. So like, I know cause it can be tough days and it's also a new practice to where like, man, maybe you're not able to find something you're grateful for. But after a while, I find it gets into a rhythm where you can drop in and all it is is taking that time, the the five minutes maybe to do it. And doing it with your partner is helpful too. So, um, yeah, know, and I, we often, we often do a, a sort of a, an appreciation uh, cool. with each other. Um, and again, that's great for the relationship, but it's also great just for your ongoing relationship with reality, you know, because you have this, this constant sort of outlet to express mm. the genuine appreciation and gratitude that you have both for elements of your relationship and just pieces of your life that are going well and that you feel good about. Yeah, that's wonderful. Hope the hope this was useful for some folks to think about. Uh, yeah, I hope this it was. Helpful. I enjoyed doing the conversation. Yeah, totally. Well, and yeah. I and I invite folks too. You know, one of our first invitations here is uh, be vulnerable. Let us know what you're actually afraid of, and you can do so in the comments right down there. Whether you find this on YouTube or on Integral Life or what have yep. you. Um, Please do that. I would say that. I would say this is like a. I would say more than invitation. I request that. Right. If you're going to do any, if you're going to, if you're going to throw some out critical out, fine, welcome it. We're always welcome that, yep. but please include your own vulnerable fear. Given the spirit of this particular episode, 
please share that in a real authentic way. Not like, and not like some way where it's like, Corey, I fear you're a dumbass. It's just like, no, that's right. (laughs) Or, or me, Ryan, I fear you're a dumbass. And I, you're right <laughs> just it, where it's a, it, it's a disguise not really a fear it's just like a way of saying like what you want to say like no no if, see if we can share that if you feel comfortable with it don't feel forced you have to force yourself to, to be that vulnerable because it is online i get it and comment comment threads can suck sometimes on youtube generally speaking in a real life comment threads are fairly fairly nice oh there's yeah some, there's some yeah especially on integrallife.com that's like really especially integrallife.com youtube yeah. sometimes we get a few pop in there where youtube yeah. can be difficult yeah yeah but anyways well brother this has been great talking to you man yeah it's been great talking to you and i look forward to playing more uh battlefield with you and vince Ooh, hopefully getting, soon working with our fear there yeah, <laughs> yeah man that's great right. well thanks yeah. y'all yeah in the meantime everyone thanks for joining us and uh stay tuned next month we're going to do a special pre-election show which uh i think we're going to title inhabit your democracy yeah it's gonna be a fun one i think okay all right guys wonderful